All right, now we'll do the newborn snacks. Um, I'm trying to do the ones that I feel least comfortable with first just to get them out of the way. So, all right, newborn. Number one, what are the normal parameters for vital signs in a term newborn? And what about the normal head circumferences? All right, so the normal head circumference is 33 to 37 centimeters. And it is normal. This this isn't in here, but I'm just mentioning it. It's normal for the head circumference to be like two centimeters greater than the chest circumference. Um, normal temperature is 97.7 to 99.4 degrees axillary. Um, and in Celsius, that is 36.5 to 37.5. The normal pulse is between 100 to 160 beats per minute. But note that it can drop to the 80s when the baby is sleeping. But anything above 220, you need to be super concerned about. Um, normal respirations are 30 to 60 breaths per minute. Um, normal SpO2 is greater than 95% by 10 minutes. The normal blood glucose is 50 to 110, and the normal um, blood pressure would be systolic 40 through 94, and diastolic 20 through 50. So those are your normal vital signs. Number two, what are the eight neonatal reflexes? All right, so it's important to know that all these reflexes should be equal and symmetrical. Um, they develop gradually in utero, so they can be absent or weak in a pretermer. Um, most of them are easily elicited by two to three days after birth, um, and primitive reflexes are not lost, they're just suppressed by higher cortical centers. So you have the Morrow reflex, which is where the arms extend and abduct, hands open, then arms flex and drawn inward, fist close. So this is the uh, startle reflex. Um, stepping reflex is when you hold the baby up and the baby's feet on the flat surface, the baby acts like it's walking. Um, Palmer grass, obviously the baby uses its hand to grasp your finger. Um, Babinski reflex is um, when you rub the side of the foot and the toes, the, you know, you go up the edge and the toes flare out. The planter grasp is when you put your finger um, right underneath the baby's toes and it wraps its toes around your finger. Um, and of course, you know, this doesn't involve an explanation, suck, sneeze, and gag. The tonic neck reflex is the fencing position. So when you turn the face to one side, side the arm will go out um, the same direction that the nose is facing. And then trunk incurvation, which is if you run something soft along the baby's spine, the baby will twist to that side. All right, number three. What are, how are the cranial nerves tested? So most of the cranial nerves you can um, tell are intact just by watching the baby suck, swallow, and breathe. Um, so cranial nerve number five, the trigeminal nerve, um, rooting and sucking, um, cranial nerve number seven, the facial nerve. Um, you can just tell by looking at the baby's facial movements, um, cranial nerve number nine, the glossopharyngeal cranial nerve. You can tell by looking at the baby's tongue move, um, cranial nerve number 10 is the, uh, vagal, um, cranial nerve, which is swallowing and gagging. And then cranial nerve number 12 is hypoglossal, coordinated sucking and swallowing. And I hope I got that right because the Roman numerals are not my forte. All right, number four. What are the key differences between pathologic and physiological jaundice, including normal perimeters for bilirubin? How are abnormal bilirubin levels treated, and what advice should be given to the parents? All right, so here is what usually happens. Um, fetal red blood cells are broken down to incorporate adult hemoglobin. The heme catabolism produces bilirubin. Bilirubin is bound to albumin and is transported to the liver. The liver conjugates the bilirubin into water-soluble. Um, 
and that way it can be peed and pooped out. Um, unconjugated bilirubin is non-water soluble, so it does not get peed and pooped out. Um, so, and then it's important to note that as the bilirubin that is secreted in the bile, you know, is moving through, um, the bacteria in the GI tract break down bilirubin even more. So, physiological jaundice appears two to four days postpartum. Um, total bilirubin rises slowly and peaks at day three or four of life. Um, usually it's less than 13. It, um, usually between seven to nine. This can be caused because the newborn has more red blood cells, and these red blood cells have a shorter lifespan than adult red blood cells, so they have more work to do, essentially. Um, and also, the neonatal liver is immature, so it needs a few weeks to catch up to what it's supposed to be doing. Um, conjugated bilirubin is usually broken down by GI bacteria, but newborn has a sterile GI tract. Um, conjugated bilirubin is then reabsorbed and recirculated. So, all hospitals screen at one day, and if the level is less than five, then no rescreening unless the clinical picture changes. Um, so we need to educate these moms to early and frequent feedings and to assess the infant in natural light and to blanch with blanch the skin with the finger. Um, it usually starts at the top and works its way down. So jaundice is usually visible um, the first 24 hours postpartum. I think this is talking about pathological jaundice. Okay, pathological, pathological jaundice is usually visible in the first 24 hours. Total bilirubin rises quickly, up to greater than 5 in 24 hours, and it peaks at greater than 13. This level represents unconjugated bilirubin, which is fat-soluble, um, which can easily cross the blood-brain blood barrier. This level is higher than 95% of others. Level higher than 25 to 30 is associated with serious, serious neuro dysfunction. Um, visible jaundice persists after one week of life. Um, risk factors for this include a cephalohematoma or sepsis, um, ABO incompatibility, polycythemia, red blood cell membrane defects or enzyme defects, um, and then decreased clearance such as enzyme defects, obstruction, and adequate intake. Um, breast milk failure jaundice appears in the first week after birth. Total bilirubin may rise to greater than 13. Um, exclusively breastfed, but they feed poorly, weight loss, signs of dehydration, and frequent urine output. This is due to inadequate intake, um, delayed passage of meconium. And then breast milk jaundice appears after first week of life and persists with 12 weeks. It's mildly elevated bilirubin levels that do not rise. These babies feed well, they have normal weight gain, normal urine output, and this doesn't usually need any treatment. But if you do need to treat a baby for... For jaundice, um, the number one treatment is phototherapy. This is non-invasive, can be done in the room, and all it does is just converts the bilirubin into a form that can be secreted out. Um, supplementation um, with formula if needed, um, IV fluids. Um, this is more for like really serious cases that come back later, um, or IVIG for RH, ABO, and RBC incompatibility. All right, number five. What are the normal and abnormal parameters? For blood glucose in term healthy newborns. How are abnormal blood glucose levels treated and what are the signs and symptoms of hyper-hypoglycemia in the term neonate? Alright, so normally seen in the first few hours of life, the nadir is one to two hours um, and they usually stabilize three to four hours postpartum. Um, screening is best done to be risk-based and not just universal. So causes of hypoglycemia include inadequate glycogen stores, such as preterm birth, IUGR, small for gestational age babies, um, impaired glucose production, um, such as inborn errors of metabolism, endocrine disorders, maternal drugs, 
like beta blockers, terbutylene, oral hypoglycemics, IV glucose, um, hypothermia, or hepatic dysfunction. Um, and then increased glucose utilization, such as gestational diabetes, IUGR, or stress. So usually these babies are often symptomatic, but if they do become symptomatic, um, they usually have jitters or tremors, um, sweating, irritability, tachypnea, pallor, hypothermia. Um, and then they usually are poor feeders. Um, they have a weak or high-pitched cry. Um, there's lethargy. They're really sleepy, kind of out of it, hypotonia, and maybe even seizures. Um, so the sequela of this is that it can damage the occipital area of the brain. All right, so here's the screening and management of neonates. All right, so anytime a baby is symptomatic and their blood sugar is less than 40, they need IV glucose. If they're asymptomatic, you can kind of be a little more patient with them. So if they're asymptomatic and they're um, less than four hours old um, and the screening is less than 40, you want to feed them and then screen the glucose 30 minutes after the feed. So if you recheck the glucose and it's less than 25, they need IV glucose. If it's 25 to 40, refeed or use IV glucose as needed. Um, all right, so if they're four hours old, um, up to a day old, um, you're going to screen them every two to three hours um, and screen glucose prior to each feed. If their glucose is less than 35, feed the baby, check it in an hour. If it's still less than 35, they need IV glucose. If it's 35 to 45, you can try refeeding them or they may need IV glucose. Um, so the target glucose screen is greater than 45 or greater than or equal to 45 prior to routine feeds. All right, clear as mud. But at any point your baby's asymptomatic, they need IV glucose. All right, if it's less than 40. What neurological abnormalities might a newborn who is born to a narcotic, cocaine, or alcohol-addicted mother manifest? What about a mother that has been taken tretinoins or anti-epileptics? All right. So, if a mom uses narcotics, you may see the baby have neonatal opioid withdrawal syndrome. Um, they usually have sleep-wake cycle disturbances, such as short sleep cycles or difficulty remaining alert, hypertonicity, tremors, jitteriness, autonomic dysfunctions such as sweating, sneezing, modeling, fever, nasal stuffiness or yawning, easily overstimulated, um, sensitivity, hyperarousal, or feeding difficulties, which leads to poor weight gain, tachypnea, GI problems. All right, cocaine. Um, can result in miscarriage, IUFD, abruption, preterm labor, IUGR. Um, you'll usually see neurobehavior abnormalities 48 to 72 hours after birth, tremors, high-pitched cry, irritability, excessive sucking, hyperalertness, apnea, or tachypnea. Um, and then you might even see transient EKG changes. Okay, so with alcohol, you might see fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, which may not be present at birth, um, but usually they, these people have uh, facial features that are um, short, palipreal fissures, thin vermilion border, and smooth filtrum, CNS disturbances, growth retardation, um, abnormalities such as cardiac, skeletal, renal, ocular, and auditory, decreased head circumference such as less than 10% or less than 3% of IUGR, or structural abnormalities on neuroimaging, or neurological things such as abnormal reflexes, tone, cranial nerve deficits, or seizures. Um, tretinoins 
can lead to birth defects, um, brain, face, and heart. Um, face usually causes small or absent ears, hearing and eyesight problems, a small jaw, a small head, cleft palate, or missing thymus gland, and then anti-epileptics. An early use can lead to morphological changes, neural tube defects, cleft lift, cleft palate, um, lethargy, difficulty feeding, excessive sedation, and withdrawal. Alright, number seven. What are the definitions um, of and differences between caput and cephalohematoma? So caput, um, edema in and around the presenting part of the fetal scalp during delivery caused by pressure that restricts venous and lymph flow. Um, it crosses suture lines. It has poorly defined edges and it pits when you put pressure on it. It usually goes away in a few days. Um, cephalohematoma is a collection of blood between the peristeum and the skull. Perostium? Perostium? And the skull. I don't know how you say that word. Um, the edges are clearly demarcated and they're bounded by suture lines. Commonly located on the parietal and occipital bones. May take weeks to months to resolve. Um, may be covered by caput at birth. May contribute to hyperbilirubinemia as blood is reabsorbed. And may calcify in a small number of cases and remain for years. Huh. Interesting. All right. Number eight. Newborn testing varies state to state, but in general, what are the most calming screening tests performed? So, for example, um, PKUs, pulse ox testing, hearing screening, etc. When are these tests performed, and what are they seeking, seeking to detect? All right. So, um, newborn blood spot testing. This is a metabolic screen paper. It includes questions about family history. Um, it tests conditions that need to be picked up early to prevent damage, such as PKU, um, maple syrup, urine disease, um, galactosemia, congenital adrenal hyperplasia, um, congenital hypothyroidism, cystic fibrosis, um, medium chain ICL COA dehydrogenase deficiency, or sickle cell. They usually do these after 24 hours old. That way the baby has time to eat and metabolize some food. Um, the pulse oximetry test um, tests for critical congenital heart defects. Um, it's non-invasive. It just tests for hypoxemia, hypoxemia related to heart defects. They do these after 24 hours also. Um, but if they're out of the hospital, sometimes they'll do them earlier. But typically after 24 hours. Um, any kind of positive, you want to follow up with an echo. Um, so a positive would be less than 90% in the right hand or foot. Um, 90 to 95% in right hand or foot. Or greater than 3% difference in right hand or foot. Repeat every hour times two until resolved or a positive screen. So if it's 90-95, you need to do it again. If it's greater than 95, it's a negative screen. So you don't need to worry about it. All right. Hearing tests, you really kind of want to wait at least 24 hours for this test um, because fluid and vernix can be in the baby's ears. Um, this detects babies um, with hearing loss early to allow for better language development. And you want to do this during quiet alert or when they're sleeping. Um, how is um, um, EGA determined in the newborn? What is assessed in the new Ballard score system? And review neuromuscular maturity as well as physical maturity. All right, so the ideal time to do this assessment is between 30 and 42 hours after birth. Um, you're really looking for a couple of different things. Physically, you're looking at their skin. You're looking at, um, you know, is it sticky, transparent? Um, is it red, smooth, pink, superficial peeling, um, cracking, pale areas, rare veins, um, leathery, cracked, or wrinkled? 
Um, you're looking at Lanugo. They, uh, Lanugo is most abundant around 26 to 30 weeks. And then it kind of starts thinning after that. Um, planter creases. So with that, um, you know, when they're full term, the creases go over the entire sole of their foot. Um, breast buds, um, you know, you should be able to fill a 5 to 10 mil millimeter bud in a full term infant. Um, eyes and ears, and, you know, their lids are fused, are obviously super premature. Um, the ear recoil is a big one. Um, so if you fold their ear down and it stays down, they're probably premature. If it recoils back up, then they are term. Um, genitals, you know, men, uh, boys should have their, t uh, testes descended. Um, that usually happens around 32 weeks. They should have, um, brugay if they're full term and their, um, scrotum. And as far as fem female, um, uh, full-term infants, um, the majora cover the clitoris and the minora. All right, so that's all the physical stuff. And then as far as neuromuscular stuff, you're looking at their posture. You know, term infants have really good tone. Um, square window. Um, so that's the wrist making a little window. Um, full-term babies have a zero degree angle, meaning they can completely make a square window. Um, arm recoil, if you pull their arms down, they should pop back up with a full-term infant. If they kind of stay down at their sides, that would be a sign of prematurity. Um, popliteal angle is their, um, bending their knees. So a turn, a new, like a premature, I can't even talk, preterm infant, you could put their feet all the way in their mouth if you wanted to, but a term infant should have a bend at the knee. The scarf sign is when you take their arm and pull it over to the middle of the body. Um, and then heel to ear is also a sign of prematurity. The, the closer your, your, your heels can go to your ear, the more premature you are. Whew, that's a lot. Okay. Number 10. What is the difference between Ortolani's and Barlow's? What do they test for? And are there any other tests that evaluate the same thing? All right, so this test for hip instability, developmental dysplasia of the hip. Ortolani is abduction of the thigh while lifting and pushing the trochanter anteriorly. If the hip is dislocated, the Ortolani maneuver will, may reduce it with a clunk. Um, Barlow is adduction of the thigh. If the hip is dislocatable, posterior movement and a palpable clump may be detected as the femoral head exits the acetabulum, the jerk of exit. Um, others are the classic and galazelli, which is shortening of the femus, or asymmetric leg creases. Alright, what are the most common male and female GU abnormalities? What is the clinical presentation of these abnormalities? Alright, so when you have a male infant, you want to assess the penile length, foreskin anatomy, location of the ure urethral meatus, scrotal anatomy, location of testes, presence of scrotal and inguinal masses. Um, some problems could be hypospadias or epispadias, cryptocortism, inguinal hernias, a hydrocele, which usually spontaneously regresses, and testicular torsion. Um, with females, you want to look at their labia. Um, majora and minora are not visibly distinct at this age. Um, clitoris, vaginal introitus, urethral meatus, ensure vaginal patency. 
Um, it's normal for them to have vaginal tags or blood tinge discharge. Um, problems might be virilization related to congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Um, so signs of that would be a large clitoris and labial fusion, labial fusion and guineal hernia. Um, labial adhesions due to poor hygiene or imperforate hymen. Um, both sexes could um, have uric acid crystals that can be misidentified as blood. Um, atypical genitalia. A phenotypic female um, include large clitoris, fused labial folds, or palpable gonads. A phenotypic male um, may have um, a bifid scrotum. I don't know what that means. Severe hypospadias, micropenis, or cryptocortism. Um, you should make sure that the anus and rectum are intact, symmetrically wrinkled area of pigmented skin. Um, some problems could be in perforated anus or anterior placed anus. All right, what are the most common variations of normal newborn skin? What are the characteristics of and examples of common infectious skin lesions in a newborn? All right, so this is question number 12. So different color variations. Okay, I don't know if it cut me off or not, but um, they can have cutis marmorata, which is bluish modeling in response to cold stress or stimulation. Um, Harlequin color change is whenever you lay a baby on its side and, um, you know, the half that's down, the dependent side of the body, it changes colors. Um, and also plethora, which means ruddy. Um, it can be, it can mean polycythemia. So skin lesions, um, erythemia toxicum is simply the newborn rash. It is a benign rash that consists of small white or yellow papules, vesicles with an erythematous base. Um, it does not usually happen on the hands and the soles, the palms of the hands or the soles of the feet. I don't know why I keep, I keep pressing a button. If you did a blood smear, you would see a cinephils. Um, milia are white papules frequently, frequently on the nose and cheeks and resolve in the first few weeks of life caused by accumulation of sebaceous gland secretions. Um, you can, may also see Epstein pearls in the mouth and these are, um, basically baby acne. Um, all right. Pigmented lesions, Mongolian spots, um, generally found on the buttocks, flanks, or shoulders, and they usually fade over the first three years of life. Um, Transient neonatal pustular melanosis. It begins with superficial vesicular pustular lesions. When the vesicle is ruptured, small pigmented macules with fine white scales. More common in African-American babies and can go away in a couple months. Um, cafe alate patches are tan or bright light brown macular patch with a well-defined border. Six or more spots greater than half a centimeter in length may indicate cutaneous neurofibromatosis, which is an autosomal um, dominant genetic disorders, which basically um, is tumors on peripheral nerves. All right, vascular lesions. Um, it's possible to have nevus simplex, aka a stort bite, most common of the vascular birthmarks. Um, it is an irregular... Um, bordered pink macule composed of dilated distended capillaries. It's often found on the nape of the neck, eyelids, bridge of the nose, or the upper lip, and it blanches when pressure is applied, um, more prominent with crying. It's usually fade by two years old. Um, and then Nevis flamius, a.k.a. port wine stain. Um, let's see, this includes... Flat pink or reddish purple lesions consistent of dilated congested capillaries directly beneath the epidermis, sharply demarcated edges, does not blanch with pressure. Worry about these on the face, on trigeminal nerve. These can be associated with syndromes. 
Um, a strawberry hemangioma is a bright red raised lobulated tumor commonly located on the head, neck, trunk, or extremities caused by dilated capillaries. It's soft and compressible with sharply demarcated margins. Um, can develop in areas that impair body functions. For example, near the rectum in the trachea or esophagus, it will grow rapidly for approximately six months and then it will begin to regress, but complete regression can take several years. Um, cavernosis hemangioma consists of larger, mature vascular elements lined with endothelial cells and involving the dermis and subcutaneous tissue. Deeper dermis and subcutaneous tissue overlying skin is bluish red in color. On palpitation, this hemangioma is soft, compressible with poorly defined borders, increase in size for t 6 to 12 months. All right, so some infectious lesions. Um, Candidiasis, dermatitis, a moist erythematous eruption with small white or yellow pustules. Small areas of skin erosion may also be seen. Nystatin, swish and spit for 10 days or until you can't see it for 3 days. Herpes. Vesicles or pustules on an erythematous base. Mother's first HSA, HSV outbreak infection is the most serious for the newborn. Risk of transmission is greatest. All right, we're almost done. What are the aspects of a newborn patient history? What is the order of examination for newborn physical examination? All right, so as far as history goes, you want to know about the pregnancy, the labor, the birth. Um, you want to know all the mom's lab tests, screening results, blood type, rubella status, hepatitis B, H and H's, urinalysis, um, STDs, specifically syphilis, HIV, gonorrhea, chlamydia, um, group beta strep status, is she diabetic, um, what her ultrasound look like, any neural tube defects, etc. All right, so here are the risk factors for sepsis. Um, if mom had a fever greater than 100.4 degrees, or that is equal to 38 degrees Celsius, um, if her water was broken um, 18 hours or greater, if she delivered less than 37 weeks, if she had choreo or she had group B strep um, colonization. Um, okay, so you generally want to do your exam within 24 hours of birth in a quiet, well-lit room. Um, the first thing you're going to do is just observe their general appearance. Do you see any obvious deformities? Um, kind of check out their respiratory effort. Do they seem like they're in respiratory distress? Meaning, are they breathing really fast? Are they flaring? Um, are they using accessory muscles? Are they grunting? Um, you want to see if any of their, you know, their positions that they're doing are symmetrical. Um, and then the color. Um, you know, does their oxygenation look good? Bruising, jaundice, polycythemia, anemia, etc. So the best way to approach it is to start at the head and go to the toes. You want to do the hips and the back last. Um, as far as vital signs, um, the general recommendation is every 30 minutes to an hour for the first four to six hours. Then after that, you can do them every eight to 12. Um, we already talked about the normal vital signs before, so I'm not going to go over that again. Um, body measurements as you go, for example, the weight, um, length, you want to do from the top of the head to the bottom of the feet. The head circumference um, and the chest circumference as needed, which, like I said before, can be within two centimeters of the head circumference. Um, first thing you want to do is listen to the heart and lungs. Um, with the lungs, you expect to hear bronchovesicular sounds that are equal on both sides. Um, Cardiovascular-wise, you want to auscultate in all areas of the precordium and the back and the axillary areas. You want to note the rate, rhythm. Um, do you hear any murmurs? And keep in mind a norm, uh, murmur can be normal in the first few days. Um, normal heart rate, like we said before, is 120 to 106, 160, and it's best heard in the left sternal border. As far as the head goes, you want to inspect um, how the size of the head, the shape, the hair, 
want to look at the scalp. Are there any lesions, any protuberances? Um, the fontanelles, you want to palpate. They're normally soft and flat. If they're tinch or bulging, that may mean elevated intracranial pressure. The anterior fontanelle um, can be variable in size, but the posterior fontanelle is usually less than a centimeter. Um, you want to palpate the sutures. They may be asymmetric for two to three days. Um, and widely split sutures may also indicate ICP. So you may want to be concerned if the suture lines are widely split. Um, craniotabes is the soft area of the skull bone. You often see this in preterm babies, but often babies who have syphilis or rickets. Um, caput, um, remember we talked about caput, is edema over the presenting part of the head. It crosses suture lines and it usually resolves in a few days. Um, cephalohematomas are collections of blood. They do not cross suture lines. Um, and they take months or weeks to resolve. Um, subglial hemorrhages. It's a collection of blood that crosses suture lines, usually feels firm and fluctuant, and can be life-threatening. So with the face, you're observing for symmetry, especially when crying. Um, facial palsies um, resolve completely in a few days to a few weeks. No treatment is required, just eye drops in case the eye gets irritated, um, and ensure adequate feeding. So with eyes, you're looking at the position, spacing, um, symmetry, width of palpebral fissures, Eye color, sclera, and conjunctiva, conditions of lids, pupillary size, and eye movements. You're looking at perla and the red reflex. Ears. You're looking for position, size, and appearance, um, presence of cyst, sinuses, preauricle skin tags or pits or dysplastic features. External ear abnormalities may mean interior ear issues. Consider renal imaging with ear abnormalities. Fun fact. Um, nose. You're looking at the shape and patency of the nostrils. The mouth, you're looking at the size, shape, presence of cleft. Um, interior mouth, you're looking at the gingiva, tongue, palate, uvula, frenulum, and teeth. The neck, you're looking for any masses, um, decreased uh, mobility, or excessive skin, which could be a sign of some kind of genetic syndrome. Um, the torso, you're filling with clavicles, um, making sure that they're there and that they're not broken. Um, the chest, you're looking for size, symmetry, structure, and breathing. Breast, you're going to palpate the buds, size and nipple position, number of nipples. Um, cardiovascular, you're going to palpate the chest wall and take an apical pulse. Um, the abdomen, you're going to look at the size and overall appearance. Um, normally, it's slightly protuberant. If you saw distension, that could be a sign of an obstruction, organomegaly, or ascites. A scaphoid um, abdomen could be a sign of a diaphragmatic hernia. Um, but it's normal for babies to have a little bit of diastasis recti or umbilical hernia. Um, palpate. Um, the liver edge is one to three centimeters below the right costal mar margin with a smooth edge. The spleen is not palpable usually. The kidneys, um, you can sometimes feel the left more easily than the right. And any other organ palpate palpated is abnormal. Um, the umbilical cord, you just kind of want to look at it, make sure it's general appearance, um, infection signs, thinness, um, and you want to make sure it has um, two arteries in a vein. You want to look at the Wharton's jelly. Um, remember that you want two arteries and a vein and just a two-vessel cord may mean chromosomal or renal abnormalities. Um, genitalia in the female infant, the size and location of the labia, clitoris, meatus, and vaginal opening. Male, you're looking for the presence of testes, um, the size of the penis, the appearance of the scrotum, and the position of their urethral opening. And for the anus, you're looking at the location and the patency.
extremities. You're looking at the number and fusion of digits, palmar creases. You want to make sure movements are spontaneous and equal. Hips, you're looking for um, del del <laughs> developmental dysplasia of the hip. Ortolani and Barlow maneuvers. Use adduction and posterior pressure to fill for dislocation and abduction and elevation to fill for reduction. And then lastly, you do the trunk and the spine. You want to visualize and palpate spine along the vertebral column. Observe for soft tissue mass along the spine. Sacral cleft or dimple, tuft of hair, hemangioma, or sacral dimples. And as you go the whole time, you're looking at the skin, neuro, um, doing the pulses. If the femoral pulse is decreased, um, it may indicate coarctation of the aorta. If it's increased, it may indicate PDA. If the femoral pulses are abnormal, test them all. All right, last one. What are the most common reproductive ter teratogens and their associated fetal neonatal anomalies? Man, I I'm getting tired. Consider infectious, environmental, pharmacological, and occupational agents. All right, so some environmental hazards, chemicals, infectious agents, radiation, um, maternal, diabetes, lupus, hyperthyroidism, PKU, pharmacological, um, non-prescription drugs such as alcohol, cocaine, tobacco use, um, prescription drugs, antibiotics, anticonvulsants, hormones, psychotropic agents, anticoagulants, um, remember that live vaccines are contraindicated in pregnancy. Give four weeks prior to pregnancy or in the postpartum period. Um, fetal alcohol syndrome. Um, dysmorphism such as microcephaly. Short palopreal fissures. Thin upper lip. Lower IQ. Fine motor function problems. Fetal dilantin syndrome. Growth deficiency. Developmental delay. Epicanthal folds. Short nose. Smooth philtrum. Occasionally, cleft lip. Short gingers. Maybe that's supposed to be short fingers, short gingers. I don't know. Congenital heart disorders. Um, Valproate or Lamictal can lead to neural tube defects. So make sure you increase your folic acid intake. SSRI's effects in pregnancy can cause autism, transient newborn pulmonary hypertension, cardiac anomalies with Paxil, um, preterm birth and miscarriage risk are unclear. So um, SSRIs, you definitely want to start after the first trimester. Use single agents if you can. Wean slowly. Underdosing is not helpful. And you may actually need to increase normal dose due to blood volume expansion of pregnancy. And then congenital varicella syndrome. Primary infection during first 20 weeks. Scars, muscle bone defects, malformed limbs, malformed limbs blindness, and seizures. All right, that's the nitty gritty on newborn.